Amen. We want to turn in God's Word to the book of Hebrews and the chapter 10. The book of Hebrews and the chapter 10. We're going to break into the, the reading at the verse 23. So the book of Hebrews and the chapter 10. And we're going to read from verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful, the promise. <coughs> Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversities. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy <coughs> under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and has done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that has said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But call to remembrance the former days, in which after ye were illuminated, he endured a great fight of afflictions. Partly wise, he were made a grazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly wise, ye became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion of me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto partition, but of them that believe, to the saving of the soul. Amen. And we pray God to bless the reading of his word to all of our hearts now. And verse 39 says, But we are not of them who draw back unto partition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Those last few words of this text I want to speak on tonight. The saving of the soul. Them that believe to the saving of the soul. It's a wonderful thing to know what you believe. Well, here's this apostle. He was telling what he believed. Uh, I believe the same. We were singing there, I believe. I believe Jesus saves and his blood washes whiter than the snow. So we want to think about this tonight. The saving of the soul. Let's look to the Lord for his help. Father in heaven, I pray you be with us around the word of God. I need your help, Lord. We, we need thy spirit be given to us to help to preach the gospel. And I pray for any who's in the meeting unsaved.
that you'll give them help to listen and you'll give them ears to hear and Lord eyes to see and you'll bring them to Christ and even tonight they'll say I want to be saved and I want to come to Christ Lord we're glad there's an offer we're glad there's a welcome for those who come to Christ and I pray a deal with hearts tonight be with us in Jesus name Amen one of the great problems in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ is the problems of false professions. That is an act that is done by sinners. They make a profession of faith. They profess to believe. They profess to love the Lord Jesus Christ. They profess to follow him just for a while. And then, friends, before you know where they are, they're back in the world. They're back in the pubs. And they're back in the clubs. I can stand tonight and tell you about people I know over the years who professed that once belonged to Jesus. Now that's only false professions. Uh, we can't stop it, by the way. The Lord Jesus tells us over in the Gospel, in Matthew chapter 13, in the parables, the sowing of the seed. Some of the seed fell upon thorny ground, some fell upon rocky ground. And when the sun came up and the thorns came up around the seed, it choked the seed. And he interpreted that in the, in, the, in the region that persecution and love of pleasure. So these things arises in the hearts of people and it chokes the seed. And there was nothing there. And I want to say to you this. There was nothing there from the beginning. Nothing there from the beginning. The true child of God goes on. Goes on to follow Christ and to love Christ and to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. This book of Hebrews was written, warning, about people drawing back, about people going back. Now, he's talking about uh, professors. They professed to love Christ. These Jewish people professed to leave the temple worship, to leave the sacrifices. They say, I give all to Jesus Christ. I give all to him. But friends, before too long, they were going back. I don't want Jesus. I don't want his love. I don't want his We're going back to the temple. We're going back to the old way of worship. To worship God. And dear friends, that was a great sin. So that's why he talked about people going back. And that's why he exhorted these people in verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promise. So God's people are a people we hold fast. We ain't going back. We're going forward. And that's a big difference between a professor of the faith and a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as he was talking about these people in verse 39 about drawing back, <coughs> the Apostle Paul tells what he believes. It's a wonderful thing to be able to stand up and say, well, here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. And he says that they believed to the saving of the soul. This is what he believed. This is what those who were around him, who were trusting Christ 100%, this is what they believed. What did they believe? They believed the saving of the soul. And I want us to sit up tonight and listen to something very important from this verse. If you're unconverted tonight, I want the Lord to give you ears to hear about the saving of your soul. 
as you'll find, it's very important. So important. Or else you'll be lost for all eternity. The saving of the soul. And I want to say the first lesson we can draw here from it about the great necessity. Man has a soul that needs to be saved. He's talking about the saving of a soul. Why would the Apostle Paul ever say such words if we never needed to be saved? Or if your soul never needed to be saved, why would God ever direct him to say these words, the saving of our soul? Why would he say it if we didn't need to be saved? Friends, there's a great necessity. I want you to listen tonight. You need to be saved. Your soul needs to be saved. You have a soul, by the way. Some people say, well, where is it? You hear all these people, show me it. I can't taste it. I can't feel it. I, I, I can't see it. Show me it. But friends, listen, according to the Bible, we have a soul. And I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible is the word of the living God. And over there in Genesis, it tells us how God created the heavens and the earth. How God created man and God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life in Genesis chapter 2. And verse 7, a man became a living soul. You think of the picture. There's man lying. Listen, he's dead. <coughs> he has his feet, he has his legs, he has his arms. He's all his features just like you and I. There's no life within him. To God breathed in him. God put a soul in him. And that's his life. That's it. Tell you, why are you living tonight in this meeting? Oh, and see a person. You have a soul within you. There's life within you. And if that's taken out of you, you're dead. That's why I'm saying to you tonight that you have a soul. That's teaching the Bible. The Lord Jesus talks in Matthew 10, verse 28 about body, soul, and body. This is what we believe, you see. And when these men said about, this is what we believe, the saving of the soul, well, he was saying here, well, man has got a soul. And I want to say tonight to you in this meeting, if you're not saved, you've got a soul. You have a soul within your body. Now, you mightn't touch it, you mightn't think about it, you mightn't care about it, but that doesn't take away the fact that you have a soul within your body tonight. And it's a soul within your body that's precious. The Lord Jesus tells us over in Mark chapter 8, verse 36 and verse 37, what should a prophet a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I want you to think what Jesus Christ tells us about the preciousness of your soul. He talks about gaining the whole world. Not, not half of it. Not, not just some of it. But if you gain the whole world and lose your soul, you've lost all. You think of that tonight. Think if you got to a stage that you got all the riches in the world. Now think of all the silver and all the jewels and all the gold. And you say to me, Noel, see all the money's in the world. It's all mine. Every penny, every currency all over the world. I own the whole lot. Friends, the Lord says, put your soul beside it. Your soul is more precious. If you got a position tonight that you owned the whole region of the world, I want to mean by that, that you owned every acre right across this world. 
and you can stand back and say the whole world I've bought every square inch of the whole world I own the whole thing the Lord says your soul is more precious and if you bought all the residents of the world what I mean the castles the houses the hotels the buildings the apartments every building every apartment accommodation all over the world all the farms whatever the case may be and you said I own it all your soul is more precious. It's more precious. And that's what Jesus Christ is telling us here. You see, dear friends, your soul is so precious. Here's why. It never ends. It never ends. Everything else will end in our life. Riches will come and go. In Proverbs 27, verse 24, for riches are not forever relationships and we value our relationships like husband and wife some can be married for 50 years or 60 years but there comes a times that we're separated and it all ends all these things end but let me tell you this your soul remains your soul remains in Revelation 6 and verse 9 it talks about opening of the sixth seal the fifth seal sorry and he said, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And this man saw here in heaven, John, he saw the souls, he saw the souls of people on the altar, which had been slain. Listen, the body was in the, body was in the grave. But your soul lives on. I want to say to you tonight, the necessity of the salvation of your soul, you have a soul. It's the most precious possession that you have. It needs to be saved. I want you to think of this tonight. It needs to be saved because of perdition. Because he talked here in verse 39, but we are not of them who draw back onto perdition, onto ruin, into hell. And you think even this whole verse talked about people who rejected Jesus Christ, verse 29, how much more sore punishment in verse 31, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now you can see just in these verses alone that the soul of the sinner is in great danger. Falling, falling into the hands, listen, of the living God. I'm being punished. And he talked about going to partition. Partition. So I think you can see here the great necessity in the salvation of a soul. Your soul, you have the possession of it. It's so precious and it's heading for perdition. The great problem. I asked you tonight, do you ever think about your soul? Do you ever think about your sin? Do you ever think about what we've said? That your soul needs to be saved. I hope you believe that tonight in this meeting. I hope we don't just throw it all out and say, well, I, I don't believe anything about this at all. Well, friends, don't be so foolish. The Bible talks about our soul, the salvation of the soul. We believe it, the necessity of it. Now, you have many needs in your life, unsaved person here tonight in this meeting. But your greatest need is to be saved. But by you must be saved. Now, you mightn't listen to it. You might reject it. Fair enough, that's up to you. But your soul needs to be saved or you'll lose it. And you'll lose it for all eternity. So the Bible talks about the salvation of the soul. The great necessity. 
hope you see that tonight. Your sin and in danger of losing your soul in hell for all eternity. And then I see this text, the great of it, salvate the saving of a soul. I see the great difficulty. And I, it's, just, it's a very difficult thing to save a soul. And I think about it because of the powerlessness of a sinner. Man cannot save his own soul. It's outside his power. He can't do it. You can't save your own soul. Now, in Psalm 22, verse 29, it says, And none can keep alive his own soul. I think of those words. None can keep alive his soul. The Lord Jesus Christ in Mark chapter 10, verse 26 to verse 27, well, this rich young ruler came running up to the Lord Jesus Christ and his good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And when he's told what he had to do, he turned and he went away and the disciples said to the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, who then can be saved? If this man can't be saved. You know what Jesus Christ said? With men it is impossible. But now with God. But notice those terms. With men it is impossible. Man cannot save his own soul. He cannot do it with his works. He can do all the good works he wants. He, he cannot do it by his religion. He may have been religious. He may have his prayers, his fasting, his almsgiving. He may come to church. He may seek to obey the commandments. All of these things I want to say to you tonight, and you'll see in a moment where we're going, these things don't save your soul. It doesn't save your soul. Belonging to this church or coming to this church and not save your soul. Judas Iscariot sat in the best church that was going at that particular time, and the best teacher was Jesus Christ. John 17, verse 12, know what it says about him? He's the son of perdition. What the hell? So I'm saying to you, the difficulty in saving this soul of yours, you can't do it. No man can save your soul, his own soul. Money cannot save your soul either. And people give. In Psalm 49, verse 7, it says, None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him, for the redemption of their soul is precious and it ceaseth forever. Notice what the psalmist is saying. There's nobody, nobody can redeem his brother. No one can pay money to redeem him. No one can pay money to save him. Doesn't matter how much he pays. Because the redemption of their soul, listen, is precious. And paying money will not redeem your soul. Dear friends, it will not do it. That dispels a lie of the Roman Catholic Church. And dear Roman Catholics, I meet them in my door-to-door -door evangelism. They, they believe paying money. Pay money to a priest. And he'll say a wee, a wee prayer, and then maybe he'll say a mass, and they get them out of purgatory. And today, Roman Catholics are paying money to the chapel, to the priest, to get their souls out of hell, or out of purgatory, which is a type of hell. And I want to say to you, friends, you cannot, you cannot save your soul by paying money. It can't be done. And if it could be done, how much have you got to pay? 
And I'm showing you here tonight the difficulty here of the salvation of your soul. Oh, and see a person in the meeting or anyone outside the meeting. The great difficulty. They cannot save their own soul. And you cannot save your own. You can't do it. Maybe that's you said. That's what I'm trying to do, you know. I'm trying to do the best I can. I meet people who say, I'm as good as anybody. I'm as good as you, even me or somebody else. And they may be better than me. But I'm saved. And that's the difference. And so the difficulty in saving the soul is the powerlessness of the sinner. You have no power to save your own soul. And God doesn't ask you to save your own soul, by the way. And another difficulty is the pleasure of sin. You see, the soul of man doesn't want to be saved. Now, I want to tell you, that's a true statement. Now, here's why. This place will be packed tonight. <coughs> If people want to be saved. If they want to be saved. I go round, I, I do gospel missions in different areas and knock doors. There's hundreds of hundreds of invitations we given out to people to the meetings. They don't come. They don't want to come. Think of any town of of carried off tonight. Where's the people tonight? Well, there are some's in the pubs, the clubs, they're lying up watching television or remote control. They don't want their soul to be saved. There's no interest. They don't want to hear the gospel. They don't want their soul to be saved. Because what is their soul? Their soul loves the world. And their soul loves sin. Loves sin, you see. In Leviticus 6 verse 2, if a soul sin and commit a trespass against the Lord, well, it talks about sinning and trespass. You know what? They don't want to be saved. They don't want their soul saved. They, they, they want the world. They want the pleasure of sin. That's in the world. And if you're unsaved in the meeting tonight, you're not saved. Well, why are you not saved? Why are you not saved? Is it because there's some patch sin you're holding on to in your heart and in your life tonight? It was difficult to get a man saved. There was a time in my life I never did gospel meetings at all. Or gospel missions. They came and went around my village. They could have went, but I never went near them. I didn't want to be saved. I, I want nothing to do with this at all. You see, it's difficult to save the soul. Sin has a grip on Listen, the devil has a grip on the soul. He's doing everything to stop people being saved. He tells them lies. He says, listen, there's no God. It's not true. He hides the gospel. And if the gospel be hid, it is hid to them who was lost. He does everything to stop people. He fills them with doubts and he fills them with fear to stop them coming to Jesus Christ. He doesn't want them to be saved. And I want to say to you tonight in this meeting, the devil doesn't want you to be saved. He wants you to be lost. He wants you to be lost. I meet some people and they said to me, I know I should be saved. I said, well, what... What exactly stop when you come to Christ? Well, I say I don't know. Well, I just well, perhaps the devil stopping you. He's holding you back, and he doesn't want you to come to Christ. He doesn't want you to be saved. He will not give you up without a fight. You can be sure of it. I fought for two years on the deep conviction of sin before I was saved. You see, it's very difficult. 
2 Timothy 2 verse 26 says that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him. Listen, at his will. Do you think of that? Now, this is what the Bible says. The devil takes unsaved people just captive at his will. Isn't that amazing? Now, would you think tonight unsaved person in this meeting, the devil's holding you in his hand. He's holding you in your hand. He's holding you back. You're not getting saved. You're not, you're not coming to Christ. You see the great difficulty here in the saving of the soul, the powerlessness of the sinner, the pleasures of sin, the power of Satan, all these things are against you. Getting your soul saved and ready for eternity. And this happened to you tonight on Satan this meeting. I'm not asking you to declare to me what's holding you back, why you're not saved. But you know yourself why you're not saved. It's very difficult, isn't it? How old are you? But you're still not saved. You see, it's difficult, isn't it? So the great difficulty in salvation of the soul, he, he talks about this, now we can see it here in our text, the saving of the soul. But then there was the great certainty. For he says here, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And this is a tremendous thing. Here's a man saying what he believes. Isn't it wonderful to be able to say, I believe. What do you believe? Well, here's what I believe. The soul can be saved. And Paul was saying that we are the people who believe to the saving of the soul. You see, the salvation of the soul is something that is sure, that it is certain. How do these men know this? Because they believed. Now, what do you listen to me? It's God that saves your soul. It's Christ that saves your soul. When Jonah was away down in the Wales Valley in the theological hall that was down in the Wales Valley in those days, he learned a lesson. You know what it was? In chapter 2, verse 9, salvation is of the Lord. This is what he learned. It is of God, you see. That is why this work is certain, and it is God alone that saves. And so he can say, the great certainty here, the salvation of the soul, because God saved the soul. Now, you can think of this in the Bible. It shows us a plan, of course. The Bible tells us that God sent his Son to save us, to save the lost. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 14, But we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Saviour of the world. Now, you see the picture that's coming. God's going to save souls. Now, how's he going to do this? Well, we're told very clearly here that the Father sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. And he sent Christ to be the Saviour. The Lord Jesus said in Luke 19 verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He said, I have come. I have come to save. So the Father planned it all. Here's the plan. I want to tell you here tonight, here's the only plan. <laughs> this is the only plan. How you can be saved. The Father sent the Son to save our souls. We can't do it. You can't save your own. I can't save my own. When Jesus Christ came into the world and was born of a virgin and without sin, and when he was born, we find that the angels, they rejoiced and they sang 
In Luke 2, verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. And they're singing, dear friends, we can say in a sense, with all of our heart, someone has been born. Who's been born? A Saviour. Right, that's who we need. That's who you need. I need somebody to save my sinful soul. <coughs> Saviour's born. Jesus Christ. I said, this is God's plan. This is all part of the plan. He lived a life that you and I never lived. I'm in the same boat as you, by the way. We're all the same. Every one of us, all sinners. All have sinned and come short in the glory of God. We're no better than anyone. Any one of us. But the Lord Jesus Christ, he never sinned. And the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 2, verse 22, the Apostle Peter said of Christ, who did no sin, uh, neither was guile found in his mouth. The Lord Jesus never broke any of the commandments of God. He never sinned. And if he had a sinned, the plan was broken. The plan was broken. If he had a sinned, the plan was broken. He had to be pure. He had to be spotless. He had to be without blemish. But he never sinned. This is the plan. He lived the life. He fulfilled the law of God. And then, friends, he went to the cross. He went to Calvary. And he hung and bled and died upon the middle cross. And it pleased the Lord to bruise him. And he was wounded for our transgressions. And he was bruised for our iniquities. And the wrath of God the Father fell upon Jesus Christ. And he took our place. And he took our punishment. It's all part of the plan. I tell you, it's all part of the plan. How we're going to be saved. Jesus Christ died for sinners. To save me. How would you say that tonight? Your heart unsaved. Jesus died for me to save me. He did. He died to save us. He shed his blood. And he put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, you see. There on the cross of Calvary, he bled, he died, he laid down his life to save us. I want you to see this tonight, I want to see a person to meet him. This is God's plan. This is it. To save you. To save me. There's no other plan here. There's no other way. This is it. This is where God's going to save the lost. And then the plan he rose from the dead, the third day. And then we are to preach him. We are to preach, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We noticed about that this morning in my evangelism. We read of Peter preaching there on the day of Pentecost. And he preached, he told the people to repent. And to believe. And to come to Jesus Christ. And 3,000 people were saved. That's the plan. That's the plan, friends. By repenting from your sin and trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, then I want to tell you, then your soul is saved. That's the teaching of the Bible. By grace you save through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And not a works left any man should boast. We're saved by faith alone. It's a gift of God. He gives us eternal life. I tell you tonight, there's no other plan. 
There's no other plan. There's no other way to heaven but this way. We believe through the saving of a soul, but here's how the soul is saved. Repenting from sin and trusting Jesus Christ as Saviour. Now you read the Bible and you'll find there's no other way. No other Saviour. No other hope. And you're in this meeting tonight and you're saying, Noel, I'm going this way. You're going the wrong way. You say to me tonight, I'm trying these things to save my soul. You're doing the wrong thing. I had to be honest tonight. We believe to the saving of a soul. But I tell you this, I believe that Jesus saves. And his blood washes whiter than the snow. But do you believe that? It's one of the through our wee problems. I do a lot of miles now, as you probably appreciate preaching in missions. But all over our province, somebody has been out, and I don't know who it is has put them up. They've put up all throughout our province little signs. You know what it says? Jesus saves. Isn't that right? Do you see them? I'm sure they're around this area as well. They're all around the whole country. No matter where I go, there they are. And a perfect job. But I tell you, there's a truth. Jesus saves. This is, what Paul, this is what this man is saying. We believe to the saving of a soul. He saves. He does the saving. He saves completely, of course. We believe to the saving of a soul. Not a wonderful thing. I'm glad tonight I preach a gospel that saves to the very uttermost. I don't believe you'll get saved tonight and one week you've lost the whole thing. Not a bit of it. He saves completely. Completely. Whosoever is a call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Apostle Paul said, For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. He says, I know and I am persuaded. He's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. He believed that Jesus saved completely. He saves completely. I give unto my sheep eternal life and they shall never perish. Now I believe this. I believe the Lord reaches down and lifts you and I, sinner, from our sin and filth, and he lifts us up and he saves us and he takes us to heaven. I believe that. And I believe he's your only hope tonight. You need him to save you. You need his mercy. You need his forgiveness. Don't be running away from it. <coughs> Maybe you've been running for, for years from the gospel and from Jesus Christ. But dear friends, he's a saviour. This is the great certainty here. And to glad we preach a certain gospel and telling people to repent and believe and trust Jesus Christ. And I want to say to you tonight, the Lord can save you tonight in this meeting before you leave. That him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. He'll bring you in. Do you not want to be in? I'm sure if I ask tonight, I may put your hand up, you want to go to hell. No, I'm sure nobody's mad tonight in the meeting. I said, well, I, I, I'm going to go. You're a fool. You're a fool. It never ends. The punishment, the tears, the sorrow, it never ends. You need somebody to save you. You need a saviour. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died on the cross to save us. Reach up by faith and say, Lord, save me. Save me, Lord. Take away my sin. Be my saviour. I want to say to you, it's time they're saved. The great certainty. We believe. 
to the same as so. Now, the Church of Rome does not believe. They believe you can't know. The, uh, the Muslims, they don't know. They don't know why. They're all hoping, all hoping. But we believe that Jesus saves and his blood washes whiter than the snow. That's the teaching of the Bible. So you have the great certainty here. The salvation of our soul. Can I say the last thing very quickly? The great urgency in the saving of a soul. How true it is that the Lord says, but we have to be faithful and warn the unconverted. You have only a limited time to get saved. I believe in the salvation of the soul, you know. But I believe that people can go on their life so far that the Lord will leave them. In Genesis 6 verse 3, My spirit shall not always strive with man. And there are people tonight living in the world and they're living in pleasure and they're having one concern about their soul or eternity. The Lord has left them. It's too late. And then what about death? If you die as you are, you'll never, have, never be saved. There's a limited time to this for the salvation of your soul. It's before you die. It's the point that only man wants to die and after this, the judgment. You cannot be saved after death. There's no hope. There's no mercy. So can you see the great urgency here tonight <coughs> of being saved? Of trusting Jesus Christ before it's too late. I'm down in Lurgan preaching the minute. I'm just watching my time. And I've done the doors around the community, around the countryside. And the other day, just right beside the hall, saw we say, you know what I said on it? Wake. Awake. And I said to myself, you know, there's a death in this community. And I've probably been at their door. And someone has died. We're not saved, friends, it's too late. You see, the urgency of salvation for your soul. Why would you neglect it? How shall we escape if we <coughs> neglect so great salvation? You don't have to do nothing to, to lose your soul. Just stay the way you are. Just stay the way you are. Just remain. Say, no, no, I'm not getting saved tonight. Well, I'll just go on another week. And the next week comes, the devil says, well, remember, it's next week. It's tomorrow. It's always tomorrow with the devil. Get saved tomorrow. But tomorrow never comes. The great urgency. I can tell you story after story tonight. Friends, I'm meeting people in my ministry. Ask them to come to my mission. One fellow I went to school with. I asked him to come. To hear me. And he never, and he, and he never came. A few weeks later he was dead. It's too late. So I want you to see tonight. The salvation of your soul. Only Christ can do it. It needs to be saved. It needs to be saved now. If you die as you are tonight, you're lost. And your soul's lost. And you're not saved. But you can't be saved tonight, and that's the good news of the gospel. Repent and come to Jesus Christ. Just the way you are. And ask him, say, Lord, save me. I don't want to be lost. I don't want you to be lost. The people in this church, if you're all converted, they've been praying for you. They don't want you to be lost. But come to Jesus Christ. And he'll save you.
he'll save you. And you can go home tonight knowing it's well with my soul. And I'm saved and could ever last in life. Come by faith to Jesus Christ and he will save you. Now if I can help you tonight, say no, I want to speak to you. I want to settle this matter tonight about my soul. Well, do speak with me. You can save where you sit tonight. As we're closing in prayer, ask the Lord to save you. If you've got saved in this meeting, by repenting of your sin and trusting Christ as your Saviour, then tell me. But I really beg you tonight, don't go home without being saved. And trust in Jesus. He'll save your soul completely. Some people say, if I could save that I couldn't live it. Listen, he saves the soul. He does the saving. He does the keeping. Trust him. Would you trust him tonight to be your Saviour? If I can help you speak with us, may God write his word upon our hearts. Let's just close in a wee word of prayer. God's people are praying. <coughs> because indeed the Lord has blessed his word and spoken to hearts tonight. And if you're unsaved, I ask you now to turn your heart to Christ and ask him to have mercy upon you. He will cleanse you from all sin and save you. And if you need help, speak with us tonight. And I pray you'll come and trust him. Father in heaven, we thank you for the meeting. Lord, I pray that you'll solemnize the word and hearts of those who are unconverted. The salvation of the soul is so important. Your people neglect it. They have their homes. They have their possessions. They have their comforts. But all of these things will be taken from them someday. And they've lost their soul. And they've lost everything. Speak to any tonight who's in without Christ. And I pray you'll give them that grace to come to thee, Lord that they may believe in Jesus Christ with all their heart and they shall be saved think of the words of Paul and Silas to that man who was trembling what must I do to be saved believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and I shall be saved Lord we pray tonight the sinners will believe and trust thee keep your hand upon each one of us until we meet again in this fashion I pray in Jesus name Amen <laughs>